I'm going to read out of the book of Romans, the 8th chapter, 8, verse number 35. A few verses of scripture here in Romans 8 that I, I feel really weighing down on my spirit the last several days. 35 of Romans 8 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, there's many things that I want to share with you today, and I don't know that I'll get to them all, and I don't know that I'll get back to point certain things out in the text as, as, as time will not permit. So I'll take a few moments while we're reading this to highlight some things. And I think the first... The very first word is um, extremely important in the text because it says, who shall? Oftentimes we will quote this verse and say, what shall? We will use the word what. We will replace the who with a what. And I think when we do that, we degrade the the purpose of the text, and we downgrade, if you will, what Paul was trying to communicate when he said who, knowing that it's very easy for us to take a what and make it impersonal, okay? We take a what and we make it impersonal, so it really doesn't mean that much to us because it's an object rather than a person okay he says who because he wants us to feel the connection he wants us to feel the personal connection here and not treat it as though it's something that can be taken or left or ignored and it's fine so he says who who shall separate us from the love of christ and then then he doesn't say Sally or James or whoever. He says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Now, it would seem as though since he used that personal connection by starting it with a who that he would have identified maybe the stressors in our lives could be a spouse it could be a child it could be a family member it could be a person on the job a neighbor a, and we would place a name there but he comes back and he uses all of these other things as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long doesn't that sound great we are killed all the day long, he says. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. He, he then turns it and he uses what I was talking about, a thing rather than a person. In all these things. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded 
that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature and he comes back to that kind of who creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to talk to you for a little while today about life's most difficult question. And you may be seated. Life's most difficult question. And you may think that my title today is hyperbole, if you will. But in our current environment, an environment of unrest, an environment of uncertainty, I think that it is worth another look. Life's most difficult question. Everyone in this room, young to the eldest, everyone in this room faces times of difficulty. And if you haven't faced times of difficulty, you will face times of difficulty. You will face times of challenge and times of unimaginable trial. We could go uh, row by row and we could hear the testimonies of people who have been through various trials and challenges and difficulties in their life. You just let a little bit of life happen to you and you will soon have a story to tell of what you had to face and go through. We are not insulated from it. Tell your neighbor, we are not insulated from it. We are not insulated from life and the happenings of life. And without belaboring the point this morning, I want to jump right into my message and work to the best of my ability to help someone in this place this morning realize that you are not in a strange place or a strange individual just because you have come up against a challenging time. It happens to us all. We all face things that uh, have the ability to literally rock our foundation. He said tribulations will come. He said distress will come. Persecution will come. Famine will come. The way it looks today, that hasn't happened for most of us just yet. That's a joke. Laugh. You've been in quarantine. You're bigger than you've ever been. You're not in famine today. Nakedness, peril, sword. Some of these things we haven't faced yet, but some of these things we have encountered in one form or another. He said, for it is written, it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. If you think that you're going to just live in a dream world without trial and challenge and setback, and problem, please read the scripture again and realize that he said there are times when you feel like you are killed all the day long. You cannot get out from under it. You cannot escape it. You cannot run far enough from it. It is literally bearing down on you in an endless way. And really in an unmerciful way. And he said... We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Think about that. 
We talk about being the, the sheep of his pasture. Well, we are like sheep that are lined up for the slaughter. Because you are a child of God, because you are in his fold, because he is the shepherd of your life, you have a target on you and you are set up for challenge and difficulty every day that you live and in the end, the goal is to slaughter your life. Say, so really? Why? How come I didn't know that? Well, read your Bible. The enemy comes to do what? To kill, steal, and destroy. Not help, prop up, build up, bless, or encourage. He's out to slaughter you. We don't like to think in those terms because we want everything to be great all the time. But the truth of the matter is, he said in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Amen. I may be lined up with all of you for the slaughter and I may be under attack day after day but I have someone on my side that gives me the power and gives me the strength and gives me the ability to conquer and to triumph in the midst of the plan that has been devised against me. We are more, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, listen, listen, Killed all the day long. He said, I'm persuaded that death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height, depth, any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. I'm persuaded that no matter what happens on a daily basis in my life, God is going to come through for me and none of those things can take me from the love of God. Separate me from the love that is directed toward me. Amen. Paul is asking really here a rhetorical type of question and he leaves in this no possibility out. High depth. Things present, things to come. He talks about principalities and powers and angels and he talks about all of these various things to let us know that there is no telling what's coming your way but something's coming your way and he leaves nothing out of possibility. Well, I didn't realize my friends would leave me. I didn't realize my family would abandon me. I didn't realize that society would turn on me. I didn't realize that my health would fail me. I didn't realize that my company would fold. I didn't know that the divorce was there. I had no idea bankruptcy was a part. He left no possibility out. He includes it all. And he does this on purpose because he wanted us to be able to answer the question, life's most difficult question. He wanted us to have the uh, ability to and to be equipped to answer the question accurately. I grew up in a home where my father quoted this verse time and time and time again. I doubt there were very many days or weeks 
or months in my life that I didn't hear my father quoting this verse either in our home or in the pulpit or somewhere, he would constantly come back to this verse and I grew up with a reminder that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Amen. It doesn't matter what failure. It doesn't matter what success. It doesn't matter what attack. It doesn't matter what blessing. It doesn't matter what uncertainty. It doesn't matter. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. I grew up with this ingrained in my mind, ingrained in my spirit, buried in my heart. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know one thing, whatever it holds, it cannot separate me from the love of God. I don't know what next week or next month or next year holds if the Lord tarries His coming, but I know one thing, whatever comes my way, it cannot separate me from the love of God. His love never fails. His love never runs out. His love never turns its back on you. His love will always be present. Come on, in a time of unrest and uncertainty, let pastor preach to you and tell you nothing can separate us from the love of God. I don't care what anybody says on the news. I don't care what anybody does in the street. I don't care who is in the White House or who is in a powerful place in the world. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Well, they'll attack the church. They'll attack the people. They'll attack our way of living. It still cannot separate us from the love of God. I can't do one thing about what's coming my way, but I know one thing. He will never leave me, and He will never forsake me, and He will never bail out on me, no matter what comes. Nothing will separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Listen, to be able to answer this question and to answer this accurately, I believe a little bit of life has to happen to you. Life, life has to happen to us. You and I both know that it's easy to say what we'll do when we don't have to do it in the moment. It's easy to say what we'll do when it hasn't happened yet. But it's a much different story when we have to act in the moment and actually prove what we said we would do. There's a big difference there. And we can say, nothing will separate me from the love of God. Let some life happen. Let some people you relied on turn their back on you. Let some things that you trusted in and you put all your confidence in fall through. Let people and individuals and situations and financial investments and jobs and career and education and all, health, let all those things all of a sudden fall apart around you. And then you have to live out what you said you believed. I've seen some people at the first sign of trouble in their life, you don't see them at church anymore, they bail out. I've seen others at the first sign of blessing in their life, they bail out. Come on, it's not just difficult times, it's also good times. Well, I, I, I can handle this by myself. I can take. They were faithful as long as they were struggling. But as soon as God blessed them, 
they took all the credit for themselves and you don't see them anymore. And it happens on the flip side. As long as everything was going good in their life, man, they were shouting and they were clapping and they were involved and they were faithful. But all of a sudden, the storm came into their life and the boat started to rock a little bit and you don't even see them anymore. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. I've just been through so much. I just can't handle it. I don't think I can go to church. What's wrong with you? You said, nothing's going to shake me. Nothing's going to strip me away. Nothing's going to affect my walk with God. It's easy to say what you will do, but it's much harder to prove it when life really starts happening to you. You put all your confidence in this and all of your trust in this and then all of a sudden the rug is ripped out from under you and what will you do? What will you do then? And I, I, I chose a, a story in uh, the Scripture to highlight. It's found in the Old Testament and I want to go there for a few moments just to prove the point of what I am preaching today. It's in the first chapter of the book of Job. I don't have time to read the entire uh, text and story, but I just want to hit a few things here as I go along. The first chapter of Job, verse number 11 says this, But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. This is what was told to God about Job. If you'll stretch your hand out against him, he's favored, he's blessed, everything in his life is good. If you'll touch him, if you will make his life miserable, if you will, if you will take all that he has, he will curse you to your face. See, the devil thought that if God took what Job had, Job would stop serving God. Alright? He was saying, if you will separate, and I've been talking about it, this love and favor that you have for Him, then His devotion to you will change. So we go into the story of Job as a result of the adversary saying he's only serving you because of what you do for him and what you've done for him. Verse number 20 says this, Then Job arose and rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground and worshipped. So when all of a sudden the attack came in his life, when he started going through all of the problems and the issues and life started happening to him, Job did not curse God, if you will. The Bible said that he rent his mantle, he shaved his head, he fell down upon the ground. All of that was an act of repentance. All of that was an act of surrender. And the Bible said he worshipped God. Hey, if you say nothing's going to separate me, then when all hell breaks out in your life, you should be at a posture of repentance and worship, not complaint and disgust and saying, I don't think I can handle this anymore. The Bible said in the midst of all of this, he fell down and worshiped. There was hardship in his life. There was heartbreak in his life. He was literally 
torn apart emotionally. And the Bible said he falls before the Lord and begins to worship Him. I don't know if you're understanding what I'm preaching to you today, but I'm trying to tell you that we have the greatest moment we've ever had to prove that we're just not talking about something, but we are actually living it out no matter what starts shaking around us, no matter what starts changing around us. My faith is secure in Him, and I will not be separated from the love of God. Verse number 21 says this. He says, after he's worshipped, I came without anything, came from my mother's womb naked. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, verse 22, in all of this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Soon as things start happening, people say, I just can't handle it. And they start popping pills and smoking dope and getting drunk and running around. I've got to drown this out. I've got to take care of this. I've got to go find... Listen, if you say nothing's going to separate me, then you don't need a pill or a drink of alcohol. You don't need another relationship. You don't need something in this world that's so temporary and damaging and will destroy your future. You just have to turn to Him and say, He gave, He's taken it away. Blessed be His name. I'm going to live for Him. No matter what happens, nothing will separate me from the love of God. I said it. I meant it. I'll live it out now. I don't know how I'm going to get through. I'll tell you how to get through. Don't don't sin. Don't charge God foolishly. Start worshiping Him in the middle of the struggle just like you did in the middle of the victory. When everything was going great in your life. See, the devil was wrong. He said, if you'll touch Him, if you'll take all this away, He will turn His back from you. But loss did not steal Job's devotion. Loss did not steal or stop Job's commitment. It did not silence his praise. It did not take his shout away from him. I wonder why some of you are not helping me preach a little bit today. It could be because you've fallen on the other side of the equation here and you've been spending the time talking about how bad it is and how horrible it is and how you don't know how you're going to make it and you came to church so pastor could encourage you today and say get your head in the right space and get your heart directed in the right way and God will come through for you no matter what the struggle is he's not afraid of your storm he's not afraid of your pain he's not afraid of your loss Job did not let these challenges stop him from loving God When you go to the second chapter, verse number 7 says this, So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord, smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown, and he took him a pot sheared and scraped himself withal, and he sat down among the ashes. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thy integrity? Job, 
We've lost everything. Everything's been touched. And you wanted to keep worshiping. And you wanted to keep surrendering. And you wanted to keep acting like God was the greatest thing. Now, your health is gone. And you're sitting here in a heap of ashes, scraping your body with broken pottery until you're bleeding. The sores on your body are oozing. And you are a bloody, sick, dying mess. Are you still going to hold on to your integrity? Wow. She said, just curse God and die. Why are you doing this? But he said unto her, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speak. Now, if you're going to call your wife foolish, make sure it's in one of these kind of situations. I mean, if the dishes aren't washed, that's probably not a moment to say, you fool. (laughs) You might not eat the next few weeks or you might... I mean, my mother was pretty fiery. You might get a frying pan against your head, the side of your head, and not even know if you ate or not. I mean, he, he said, you speak like a fool. Like some foolish woman. What? Shall we receive good? Now, here's the message. Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? Do you think that it's always going to be blessing and favor and good and abundance and all and it not be balanced or weighed out with a few trials and setbacks and storms in our life? He said in all this the Bible tells us did not Job sin with his lips. In all of this he didn't lose it on God. In all of this, he didn't bail out on uh, what God had promised. His resolve here in verse 10 was, how can you expect God's favor and not His test? Now you've been waiting 25 minutes for me to say that right there. I hope it sunk in. Everything I said for the last 25 minutes came to that right there. How can we as children of God be so willing to accept His favor and His abundance and His blessings and all and not be willing to accept His test if He thinks that's what we need in our life. He said you want His favor, but you don't want His test. You want His blessings, but you don't want the trials. You want all the abundance, but you don't want to live out what you said you believed. I mean, he is in the middle of a storm, lost everything, broken in hell, doesn't have the strength to get up. His wife is saying, you're an idiot. Curse God and die where you are. And he said, if I was willing to take his blessing, then I have to be willing to take his test. He's still on the throne. He's still my God. And I will not be separated from the love of God no matter what comes my way, nor height, nor depth. It doesn't matter what comes my way. I'm holding on. I'm holding on. I'm holding on. I'm holding on. In the middle of my storms. In the middle of my trials. In that day. See, 
here's, Here's the way I look at it as a pastor. This is a sign of immaturity and maturity. It's a sign of appreciation and lack of appreciation. She represented the side of immaturity and lack of appreciation. He represented the side of maturity, spiritual maturity and appreciation. See, when you're immature, then everything in your life and world has to be perfect at all times. And it's your parents, guardian, well, if you're married, your spouse. You think it's their responsibility to create everything perfect in your world. That's immaturity. Maturity is, hey, if it's not great in this moment right here, I'm not going to lay down on the floor and throw a temper tantrum and scream and fuss and fight and demand. I'm going to get up and do what I have to do to get through where I am. Immaturity is, yeah, that's mine. No, it's not yours. I mean, I've met some grown men in marriages that are just immature. You want a miserable marriage? Try to live with someone that is perpetually immature. You will bang your head against the wall every day trying to figure out how in the world do I help this individual. Let me promise you something. You can't help them because you can't create a perfect enough environment for them 24-7 for it to be right. Somebody that's mature, you know what they do? If they lose a few things, they get up and go earn it, and they get it back, and they go work, and they quit pushing it off. That's their fault. That's his fault. That's her fault. That's this, that. No. You just get up and handle the situation, and you quit fighting about stuff that you don't have to fight about, and you quit... I mean, that's why my wife married me. I think we're probably on the same level somewhere. I mean, that's my opinion. But the reason we are is because I'm six years older than her. (laughs) And it it took me longer to get to that, that place of maturity. She was mature, Cindy. We got married when she was 19. I was 25. It took me to 25 to try to get my head in the right place. At 19, man, she moved in ready to control everything. Do you know what I'm talking about out there? Immature. Somebody said no and they're a liar. And the Bible says all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. So I'd repent right now and say amen, Pastor. Thank you, Justin. Amen. See, I didn't even have to look over there. I know his voice. It's not in the Bible, but just like Jesus said, (laughs) my sheep know my voice. Pastors know their sheep's voice. Amen. Immaturity, immaturity says, look, this is all your fault. This is all God's fault. This is all, just quit, just throw, that's immaturity. And he said, you're speaking foolish. You mean, we were okay when everything was flowing this direction, but now that it's not flowing and it's going the other way, we just throw our hands up? No, that's not who we are. 
Come on, mature Christians live for God when the sun is shining and when the rain is falling. They live for God when everything is perfect and when everything is horrible. When everything's upside down or everything's going in the right direction. Mature children of God stay in the fight. Just keep serving God no matter who comes. Listen, I was thinking about it the other day and I don't even remember. I'd have to probably uh, stop for a few moments and think what triggered the thought in my mind. The night my father died, within hours of him drawing his last breath, I had an obligation to preach at a church that was probably an hour or more away from where he was in the rest home. And I drove to that church and I preached knowing that my dad was dying within hours. When I left the church, I drove to where he was. It was close to midnight and I knew he was dying within minutes. And I said to my sister, we don't need to leave mother alone because this call is about to happen. And she said, I'll stay here with dad. You go home to where mom is. And I said, okay. So my sister goes into the room where my dad's drawing his last breaths. And I drove to my mother's house and sat with her. Because I knew within moments the phone was going to be ringing. Immaturity says, you're the only one that's ever lost a parent. And you're the only one that's going to ever feel this way. And you poor little pitiful thing. You know where my father would have wanted me? In the house of God. Preaching to someone. You know the night that Lisa's mother died? Less than a year after my father and we went through all those storms for those that were here with us a few years ago. I flew here early that Sunday morning from the East Coast and I preached both of our services north and south, and I got on a plane the same day and flew all the way back across the country and got back to North Carolina at midnight. And a man that we've been friends with for years and years and years picked me up at the airport and took me straight to the rest home where Lisa's mother was. And I walked into the room, and Lisa was standing by her mother, and the girls, three girls, and me, the five of us standing right there, by her mother. I was there 10 minutes, 15 minutes at most and we were praying over her when she drew her last breath. And we stood right beside her bed. All five of us. You know where I was the very next service? Very next time? Back in the pulpit. You know where I was? I, what I'm trying to tell you is when you just think that, oh look at pastor and look at their family and look at this... The reason we are where we are right now and the reason that God has blessed us is because at the same time when there's great loss in our life, at the same time when there's great trial in our life, when we had to start over many times without anything, when we were living in a hotel in this city for six weeks and nobody in this church was paying the bills. When I was paying the bills without a church... 
Six weeks, night after night, trying to take one girl to elementary, one girl to middle school, and one girl to high school, and us all staying in one... We weren't sitting around there saying how bad this is and how horrible it is. And we, had, we left a church of 700 and we lived at a golf course and we had a, we had a pool and we had multiple vehicles and we had millions of dollars of assets. We weren't sitting with nothing in a hotel. So God's been so mean to us. We're so mistreated. I'm almost 50 and I've got to start over. If God said walk away from it because I have something else, I'm obligated that if it's not favor and it's a test, He's the same God that when He was blessing me, He will keep me in the middle of the storm. I'm trying to preach to some of you and say mature in God. Grow up in God. Start accepting the fact that God will never fail you. God will always come through for you. You want to talk about a difficult time? I know what difficulty is. I know what the loss of everything is. I know what the loss of family is. I know what the loss of health is. I know what the loss... I can tell you those things. But if you know that you have a faithful God on your side, then you will be able to answer life's most difficult question with this simple answer. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God. It doesn't matter who comes, who goes, what tomorrow holds. I'm going to love Him and I know He's going to love me and we're going to get through this some way, somehow, because He is on our side. Come on, I'm appreciative for every one of you. I'm appreciative for... Say, well, we're in a gym. I don't care. I'm thankful for you. You're the church, not this. It's not about brick and stone and mortar. I'm thankful for the last eight and a half years and the souls that have been ministered to and the lives that have been changed. That's what it's about. When I stand before Him, I want to stand before Him saying nothing can separate me. Nothing could separate me. Nothing could separate me from the love of God. Come on, where is the appreciation in our lives? Life isn't always going to be easy, but God will walk through it with you. Amen. I said God will walk through it with you. Let's stand together. Here's what I found with some people, and that is, if the good doesn't trip them up, the challenge will. And I've seen with others, if the challenge doesn't trip them up, the good will. You better make sure you don't let the favor nor the trial stop you from living for God. Just keep your head on and serving Him. One of the the ancient verses that rings in my ears today is this. Choose you this day. Choose you this day whom you will serve. I'm going to serve Him no matter what the day holds. I'm going to serve Him no matter what comes my way. I'm going to serve Him no matter who has anything to say about the situation. It's a difficult question, but it's one that has to be answered in all of our lives. Our everyday actions 
and our everyday responses will reveal our resolve. My resolve has been revealed. My family's resolve has been revealed in our everyday actions. You know, there were times that we set up this gym with many, many, many chairs and there was maybe 10 or 15 of us in here. Seven. My wife remembers the number. So that means one Sunday it was our five and two more. Think about that for a moment. Some people would have just said, Oh, I can't take this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I can't. But God has been faithful. And in the days when there was just five or six or seven, there's also been days where there was a whole lot more than that. We serve a faithful God. We got to hold on to His promises and know that nothing will separate us. What are you going to do in tough times? What are you going to do in tough times? I pray that you would be like Job and just refuse to waver. <laughs> I refuse to waver. I refuse to waver. I wish I had time to just point out testimonies in this house right now of people who just will not waver. They just, they will not waver. I know many of your stories and you made up your mind, I will not waver. Nothing will separate me from the love of God. It's life's most difficult question. If you can put a person place, a thing, you can put anything in there, then I promise you, given enough time in life, that person, place, or thing will come to you. And you will be tested on it. But if it's just nothing, neither height nor depth, or, no, no, nothing, nothing's going to separate me. I don't even know what it is, but I know one thing, it's not going to separate me. I made my mind up. I'm serving God. I'm living for the Lord. I'm going to love Him and nothing's going to pull that away. Nothing's going to strip that away. Stretch your hands to heaven and let's pray together. Lord, right now, I see beautiful people from the front of this house to the back. People that have been through all kinds of hellish situations. People that have overcome so many things in life. I thank you, God, that those things and those individuals, they didn't have the power to separate us. They did not have the ability to separate us because your love is so strong and your love is so far-reaching and your love is so amazing that God, when sickness came, when struggle came, when trial came, it couldn't stop us. We just made our mind up. I'm serving the Lord. I'm living for the Lord. I'm holding on. I'm not giving up. I'm not throwing the towel in. I'm not turning around. I'm just going to keep living for God. I'm going to keep loving God. I'm going to keep serving God. In the name of Jesus, men and women in this house right now, God, I pray that there would be a rebirth of love here. There'd be a brand new baptism of love all across this house. In the name of Jesus, let there be a fresh falling in love with you and a fresh understanding of the love that you have for us, God. That when family forsakes us, you never forsake us. In the name of Jesus, when struggle comes our way, you 
will stay right there in the storm with us. God, give us the resolve of Job. Give us the resolve of Job. Give us the resolve of Job that we just hold on when everybody else is saying quit, when everybody else is saying throw in the towel, when everybody else is saying there's no use, God, we made our mind up. I will maintain my integrity. I will maintain my integrity. God's never failed me. God has never forsaken me. In the name of Jesus, I want you to pray for your family that's nearby you there. I want you to pray for those that are close by in the row of chairs that you're in. God, help us to have a brand new love. Help us to love you like never before. Help us to have a fresh understanding of your love and how powerful it is. And nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name.